Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Notice we're in the same exact section as we were last week. All right, Um, because this is this these eight verses are so um, incredibly concentrated. Um, you want to talk about like spiritual meat, boy, it is right in here in these sections. Um, and I hope when we come and we open up God's word, um, here's my hope for us is that we'll be convinced by God that he's right. I want you to think about that for a minute, because a lot of times, isn't it easy to address the Bible and you come to it with already kind of like some presuppositions and some some maybe preliminary beliefs or even some past convictions or something like that. And we enter into the Bible in a way that we begin trying to mold it to our already like formed views and opinions. Right. Instead of letting the word do what it's supposed to do. Right. The word is this double edged sword that's meant to go in and divide our soul and spirit and joints. And, you know, it's it's this precision um, tool right here uh, that we have. And thankfully, it comes from God and not from a bunch of people making it up. Right. And so uh, so hopefully that that's our mindset as we as we approach the Bible is is let me be convinced from God. Let me be convinced that God is right. And whatever my views are, take a back seat to that. Right. Um, before we move on, let's pray and then we'll continue. Father, thank you that you've given us uh, your word. Thank you for its succinctness. Thank you for its clarity, but also thank you for its challenge. Father, thank you that uh, we have to um, dig in. Thank you that the answers just always aren't laid out in front of us, that it is a journey of discovery. Thank you for that. Thank you that it's consistent throughout. Thank you that it's 66 books. Thanks for giving us a whole library um, to know you. It, it absolutely blows my mind how perfect um, you have built your, your library of books, Father, to be conveyed to any culture at any time in any place, God, and we can know you. Thank you for that. We do pray that your spirit convicts our hearts deeply, Father. Please soften our hearts. We want to do your will and we want to be conformed to you, Father, and please um, speak to us today um, through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, we're just on this path. Let me give you a little bit, kind of a, a, a little bit of a, of a nugget here when it comes to spiritual maturity. There's a lot of different thoughts about, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean to be spiritually mature? What is this journey that I'm on? What does it mean to be conformed into Christ? And here's really a, a very simple, um, uh, just a very simple statement that I think will be helpful, okay? Is our journey to spiritual maturity and to conformity in Christ is a a journey from our own ego, as, as Brent said, our own control, 
Okay, it's, it's a journey from protecting ourselves to complete abandonment to God. Okay, that's spiritual maturity is when we are totally 100% spiritually abandoned to his will because we trust him and we love him and we're not fighting. You know what takes a lot of energy is fighting against what God is doing. It takes so much mental energy and physical energy to go, oh man, I, I'm fighting against you. Spiritual maturity is when we get to the place, go, I surrender. Like you have your way with me. All right. And if it's, and I really appreciate what Brent's sharing in Genesis. If it means that you send me to another country to become slaves for four, then that's the way it'll be. I still love you. I'll still serve you. If it means that, you know, you, maybe you'll be one of those folks that, you know, you write some blockbuster book and it's really cool and you're all famous or a professional athlete or something like that. But either way, I think we all think we're going to be that person, though. And then we'll be then we're going to be really happy about following Jesus. But complete abandonment is, is do whatever you want to do to me, my, my desires, my dreams, my direction, all of these things. Because that's what I want more than anything. That's spiritual maturity. Okay. Um, again, as we enter into at any time, I hope every single day we have the courage and the will and the, and, and the desire to really be asking God, hey, search every part of who I am. Okay. Is there any way that's false inside of me? You know, again, I shared this last week. This has been one of probably um, the best thing that's happened to me in my own time with God in the morning. Is that because I can't tell you the conversation me and Jesus have just praying these of search me. Um, and, and then I've got to share a lot of fears with him. And I've got to share a lot of faithlessness with him. And I've got to share a lot of things to search me. Is there anything false in me? And bring it out. Bring it out so it can be seen. Bring it out so it can be heard. Bring it out so I can be conformed to you. Send me messengers. Okay, that's an exciting thing. Because when we begin thinking, man, I'm going through my day. And I've prayed for God to send me messengers to come into my life and share his word with me. And all of a sudden it changes everything that you do in a day because you're listening to people and you're listening for God's word because I prayed for it. I know it's going to happen, right? Is to strip away, not just, here's what I've learned is, uh, is not just asking God, Hey, strip away like all of these things, like my personality and all of the things that I kind of like hold myself up with, but also strip away all of the little areas that I have that that are protecting me, all of the little battle turrets that are around me that protect me, okay? And then show me the futility of the world. This is like, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I hope, I hope as a community, this is something we are into every single day. This is our heart. This is our heartbeat as a community towards Jesus. So again, you've seen this for a few weeks. We're gonna keep kind of driving it home. Um, because again, there's only so much that like people can do and people can say, and there's only so much like real strength and talent we have to convince one another. But man, I am convinced that when we are really courageous and, and like, God, do what you need to do with me, he will absolutely do that. Okay.
so again, we've we've been building this foundation on Keith. We've seen this. We've seen. Listen, I feel like there are certain things you have to keep like like talking about over and over and over again to see how do we get here? How do we get to Romans chapter 12 as we've been talking about this journey and we've just been setting this up because again, just like the humility of asking God, hey, come in, come and correct me, come and change me, come and show me, right? It's also this idea of we need to put ourselves in positions where we are outside of the noise of this world. I am utterly convinced and become more convinced every single year that Satan's greatest attack is just to make the world noisier. Because there's no way we will hear God's will. We won't hear his word. We won't be convicted by his spirit. Okay, unless we have this time of silence and solitude regularly, right? That we submit to his authority in obedience, Right. So when when I'm reading something, I'm going, oh, he's telling me this. Yes. Let me be conformed to that in obedience that we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Remember, we talked about that about a month ago where he said, here's how you should pray. And it's really fascinating because he gets into this entire prayer of putting us in a place of humility of us putting ourselves where we should be and like having this relationship with God. And then we seek first his kingdom because that really is. That, that's the only hope for our world. That's the only hope for us. That's the only hope for our families is this. So um, just as we've read Romans 12, 1 and 2, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And again, you have motivation right there. Okay, that, that's the thing, is if it, there shouldn't be something in our minds of going, oh man, I'm just like, I'm just legalistic or, or whatever. It's the idea of, do I have, how am I motivated? Okay, if I'm motivated just because of me or if I'm motivated by other reasons, but, but Paul puts this in here. Hey, here's what he's asking us to do is because of God's mercy. Okay, and he's telling the Jews and the Gentiles, I've been merciful and not just snuffed y'all off the face of the earth. And brought you together and you share the same faith and the same king. Because of the mercies of God, I urge you, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And remember last week we talked about that idea of this isn't an individual thing. This isn't how does Keith necessarily do this? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And, and, and hopefully this is one of those sections, man, we are just spending time meditating about, you know, as we said last week, we oftentimes enter the Bible as individuals. And it gets really strange when I'm going, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Well, how do I do that? And I'm, aren't I trying hard enough and all these things? But what he is doing, though, is he's saying, no, I'm talking about as a community. That's what's so important. And, and this is one of my deepest convictions of, of the reason you have local church. All right. Is that you have a group of people diverse in every way. Right. Diverse in every way coming together. For God to work through us, to speak through us, okay, in a way that the community should look at the church and say, y'all are so different from one another, it doesn't make any sense that you would love one another. All right, that we enter into that and we, we read Romans 12 too to go, yes, you want to know what? As members of the Clemson Foothills Church, we will offer our bodies as living sacrifices. 
Okay, it's all of us helping one another, okay? But he says this, this is your spiritual act of worship, okay? And and I had to throw this in. We're going to be moving off of this, but I had to put this in here because I think, first of all, it is so conducive to our world today. Um, But oftentimes when we say this is our spiritual act of worship, we almost exclusively think of worship as this time together or when we get together and we have some kind of singing service you have something where there's an emotion being evoked you have something where you know it's like we're coming together and we talk about it all the time is worship service and we talk about hey this is how i worship all right would it disturb you to know that the way we use it is completely foreign to the bible You go, well, what's the big deal? It's just semantics. It shows that we feel very comfortable taking God's word and making it fit to whatever we want it to fit into. All right. And it also shows we come from history that has told us this is worship. This is worship. This is worship. And we have just gone like, well, this is worship when we come together. Except here's the interesting thing. That word that's translated is actually, this is considered when he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your sacred service to God. What they would have heard, remember we talk about that often, like what would the original hearers have heard? They would not have heard what kind of singing, what kind of praying. They would not have heard some kind of like anything that we think of today. They would have heard us laying our lives down Surrendering to Him in our life is our sacred service. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know this might be strange. You might be looking at me going, Keith, man, this is, you're making a big deal about nothing. I think this is a huge deal. Okay, because again, we fool ourselves oftentimes into thinking if I can evoke this emotion, this time when we come together or at a devotional or at a singing devotion or something, if I can just have an emotion, I've worshipped. Except nobody in the first century would say that was true. In fact, it would be so, it would be completely foreign if we were to able, which would be really probably pretty neat, if God transported us all back to the early church. Okay? And we were to say, hey, what kind of service y'all have? Contemporary worship? Traditional worship? They would have been like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Okay? Because first of all, that word doesn't mean worship. Second of all, all right, oftentimes what's translated as worship Okay, is this idea of, of like a, a posture, like kneeling. Okay, that word isn't worship. It's actually to kneel in front of God. All right, but we, this has become an entire cultural thing. This is what many of us honestly choose churches by, is how is their worship? All right, again, if we were to sit down with an apostle, if we were to sit down with an early Christian and say, what do you mean when you say, how is their worship? He would say, it's how they live. That's worship. And so that begs the question, it becomes a little more difficult, is how is our worship? Because he said, but our spiritual, sacred service is us together laying our lives down. All right, that becomes very challenging. And quite honestly, it could become very personal because you're like, you don't understand, Keith, I feel the presence of Jesus when we're singing. I feel this and I feel that. I'm going, that's great. That doesn't mean it's worship. 
We can't go, no, but my worship is this, and God says this. It's like, no, we must conform ourselves to this. We must conform ourselves to this, or we'll continue, like our, our normal kind of idea, we'll be consumeristic of let me go places where I'll feel good, I'll feel God, all of these things, instead of going, no, 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 no. Let's be in a community that we lay our lives down as a church and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, and that, 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 that's what worship is. That's what it is, okay? That's a hard sell, I know. I know just these three or four or five minutes talking about it, you may be going, nah, ain't buying that, no way, I'm going to go find a church that does something else. But I'm just telling you, this is exactly what they would have heard. All right? Like, there's, uh, there's nothing about that that's, that's uh, you know, like, I didn't just make that up for fun, okay? But here's the thing we came to, we talked about it last week. If there's anything that should, that should really, like, open our eyes is to see that how we live isn't working right it's that we talked about the canary in the coal mine last week is is the canary in the coal mine are things like this is things like the this this rampage of anxiety through our world and depression and suicide okay now the thing about a canary is is you pay attention to it and what you do is when you see the canary start to falter you go guys let's pull back out like we okay the the goal isn't just to watch the thing die it's to step back and go we need to regroup something's wrong in here we need to regroup okay and so this is what the call of the church is but here's something else that's really fascinating the last five years life expectancy has dropped Every single year in the United States. All right. that, that is stunning if, you, if, if we are claiming who we are. A first world, top tier, technologically advanced society. And we're going, hold on, something's wrong. Because we're not living longer. And, and, and you can go, well, but it's because of COVID. No, 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 no. It was well before COVID. Starting in 2017, life expectancy has been dropping. All right, that, that is a huge metric that even worldly companies use to talk about the health of a community and a culture. All right, we're dying younger. How we live isn't working. This should encourage us to go, God, just let us, just form us into your likeness. Just for, it's not working, we give up. We give up knowing our way. We give it up completely and we'll follow you. All right, because how we live, it just isn't working. And this isn't any different in, in Christianity versus atheists in the U.S., okay? And so anyway, we, we've read um, all the way down here. He said that here's the thing, and this is what we kind of want to zero in on. Instead, instead of being conformed to this age, it's fascinating. He said, instead of that, be transformed, by the renewing of your mind. That word is actually the same word that Jesus used in his transfiguration. Is This is a complete change of everything. Thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, opinions, everything. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And again, I'm just going to share this ahead of time. Can you imagine the you who is spiritually mature? We've got to be thinking about that. What would, what would the me, what would Keith completely, as much as he can, being conformed in the likeness of Christ, be like? Emotionally, relationally, 
spiritually? What would that be like? And going, man, Jesus can do more than all we ask or imagine. But we have to have an idea that we won't stay the same. That every year we should be growing, every month, because the Holy Spirit is transforming us. So he said this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Instead of conforming to this age, we begin thinking differently. Right? The mind does well what the mind does often. Oftentimes we've trained ourselves in our worst habits of unfaithlessness, bitterness, anger, if we continually train ourselves. So when I wake up in the morning, I've, I have probably pestered some of you guys so often about this. If, okay, man, maybe you've done this and I just haven't even noticed it, but if somebody comes to you and they say, hey man, how's, how are you doing? And your first answer is always, man, I'm so tired. Listen, you'll never be, you will always be that way. Words matter. What we say, and so if it's a badge of honor to be tired, like, leave it. Okay, that doesn't mean you'll never be tired again. But it's one of those things we tend to, like, train ourselves. Man, how's it going? Ah, so hard. You want to know what? You're just training our minds to be unfaithful. Man, it's so hard. How's it going? So hard. Oh, man, how's it going? So bad. Oh, how's it going? Oh, man, this week, you know. We, we will train ourselves in unfaithfulness. And hey, renew your mind. Okay? So there's a little bit of tension we need to talk about, though. Because just as I spoke of last week, this idea of transformation happening uh, in a community together. Okay? Well, there's this tension, though. Because when we leave here, most of our time during the week is not together. It isn't. Most of the time in the week isn't together. And so it's not that we need to get stuck and go, okay, well, if transformation happens in a community, well, I'm kind of over here. How does this work? And there's this tension of, of renewing our minds in alone times and in together times. Okay, we ha- we've got to have both, okay? Now, here's the problem with it is if we aren't wary and, 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 and kind of like keeping our eyes open, we can become independent or codependent, All right? Everyone in here, you kind of probably skew to one side or the other, okay? And, and we have names for that. It is, I would encourage us all the time, let's use less names to describe things. What, what do I mean by that? Some of you get to go, man, I'm an introvert, but, but I'm an extrovert. No, you were made in the image of God. And almost everybody has a little bit of both, but at different levels, right? And instead of, you know, it's kind of like you hear me saying, people go, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, right? We, we, we end up putting this identity in ourselves that isn't an identity that Christ has given us. Because almost everybody would say, okay, well, which one was Jesus? Well, Jesus was like a little of both. You see this. Well, why was he like that? Because he's, he, we're following a perfect king who is able to teach all of us. So, so my goal isn't that, hey, just kind of wipe out all of these things completely, but to be Wary because sometimes we can take on an identity that Jesus hasn't given us. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I enjoy, let me go back here. 
There's nothing wrong with saying, I get energy and refreshment and all these times. I need some time alone. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone is built a different way. Or, there's, or some of you are like, man, I got to be with people all the time, 24-7. I've got to have the music loud. I've got to have all that stuff. Great. Which one's better? Which one's better? <laughs> that's how we think, though, right? We, we go, well, the way I am, <laughs> that's the best. That, that's what will make. And so here's the thing about it is, is, is again, uh, let's just kind of open our eyes to the futility of how the world works and how Satan works. And they'll go, man, if you're kind of this out there kind of you like loud things and lots of people and all that kind of stuff, you, you look at other folks and you're like, you know what their problem is? They're so selfish. And then the folks that are like, no, man, I need to get away from people and noise. And I just need to like groups kind of flip me out sometimes and they're all crazy and everything. And that group oftentimes will go, you know what's wrong with them? They're so superficial. <laughs> and, and do you see what Satan does in a church? Is then he's like, hold on a minute. Let me pit people against identity for identity against one another. Instead of going, you want to know what? God has made every one of us very different on the inside. So it's one of those things where do we fit in like just these two categories? No, not at all. And our goal isn't to like figure that out, right? I, I know, you know, this wasn't even, I didn't even make a slide for this because I wasn't going to say anything about this. But here's the deal is I know we love like a little personality survey, I know we love it. What's your number? What's your color? What's your, what's your all this kind of stuff? Are you a, a WVLJ? Are you a this or that or whatever? And we get so happy with that. Like, oh, this is awesome. And here's what we almost always say. I knew I was that way. <laughs> then why is, this, why is this firing you up so much? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, it, it baffles me because, again... We can get so far off of finding out these identities, and essentially, oftentimes, they're these identities to tell us we're some way, so we can tell other people how to leave us alone. Like, you don't understand me. You're an EMNTQ, and I'm a AEIOU. I'm over here, and we don't even, we can't get along. That is absolutely not true. And I'll just tell you, man, if you're single, you may be really limiting yourself, okay? I could never like that guy, man. You know, hey, man, back off of all that, okay? Because here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit is in us, all that's out the window. That is all out the window, okay? And so anyway, again, I want us to understand this tension. And the other side of tension is, is being able to, there's only one way a church, a community of faith can be unified with one another is a mutual appreciation for each other's strengths. It's the only way. It, we cannot get on a high horse about who's better, who's that, but it's a mutual appreciation, a mutual understanding, and it requires us to actually talk to one another. All right? What, what should never happen is some kind of commentary. Say, you know what I think about Mike Salter? Mike is blah, 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 blah. Well, if you think it, ask him. Talk to him. That's the beauty of relationship. We get to talk to each other face to face. That's a good thing. Okay? 
So here's the tension. This is something that regardless of what kind of team box you put yourself in, the tension, both are required and both may look different for different people at different times. Okay, so this isn't law. Whoa, my goodness, I feel like a teenage boy there. My voice cracked just a tad bit. Um, so here's that idea of what does it mean? What does it mean to um, not conform to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds in a place where we're alone? What does that mean? That's our time when we come together and pray. You remember Matthew 6 when Jesus said, hey, when you pray, go somewhere and close the door. You've got to go somewhere and be alone. And there are times, there's times to pray together. There's times to pray out loud. There's times to pray in small groups and big groups and complete congregations and all of those things. But if our idea of prayer doesn't include a secret place, is what I call it. All right? It's that place you go and what you pray about, okay? I've got to remind myself constantly, when I'm in that mode... I'm not praying for answers to things. I'm not praying for God to help me with my sermon. I'm not praying for to be a better church leader. I'm not praying for any of those things. It is seriously like, God, we need to have a deeply intimate conversation about what's inside of me and who you are. Right? That, that is the safest place to be. Okay? But it's prayer. It's fasting. It's generosity. It's the idea of, do I have any time that's by myself that I am pouring over all that God has given me and praying, how do I become generous with this? How do I, how do I abandon myself, God, and use this for what you want it to be used? That has to be done, okay? That has got to be done in this alone time, right? And it's also the idea of, who we are, so we've got to think about this. Who am I behind closed doors? Okay, these are the spiritual practices and integrity of being alone. Who am I when I go home tonight and I close my door and I'm with my family or I'm with my roommates or I'm by myself or something like that? Okay, listen, there is no community that can come in and help at that point. It's the idea of who am I and who will I be? Who am I becoming? Okay. So it's this tension of going, this, these things have to be active in our lives. Okay. And it doesn't matter which kind of like personality type we are. And then we must have the renewing of our minds together. Right? And again, I want you to just pay attention to you. I want you to pay, you know, you know, Keith, you are telling us to be selfish. No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you not to be ignorant. Okay? Is, is think about what's the story you're telling yourself. Oh, well, no, no, you don't understand. It's just I'm all about being alone or I'm all about being together or something like this. Or I'm not going to listen to all this. This is like something else. But this is absolutely essential as well. If we're going to be transformed. Now, now think about that. He says he'll be transforming us as our mind is renewed from a worldly perspective to his word. 
that we are being substantively substantively changed on the inside in every single way that we can think of. So how do we help one another with this task of renewing our minds? So there's this kind of little snippet in Hebrews 10. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. To, to spur. Now, again, listen, I don't know how you hear things. I mean, some of you guys hear spur and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You hurt people until they do love and good deeds. Like spurs, right? I mean, I've sat in on, on uh, you know, uh, sermons before where I felt like, man, I have to go... <laughs> Like really injure my brother or sister until they start loving well, okay? But but spur does have a distinct a distinctiveness to it, okay? That isn't just like hey very gentle either. It, it's kind of like you know my daughter does this to me periodically. She like jabs me in the hips right there, man. It sends me through the roof, okay? Like it gets my attention. All right. And, and, and you want to know what? If we are going to be collectively together, living our lives, laying our lives down as living sacrifices, then these are the things that we all have to agree on with one another that we are going to be about because God's word teaches this. So are we OK with brothers and sisters spurring us on? Or have you ever, so there's kind of two different defense mechanisms that I can share that, I, there's probably more, I can tell you mine, is number one is make it clear to your brothers and sisters, don't ever spur me on. And you can do that a number of different ways. You, you know, you can get upset and angry and all that kind of stuff. Or you can maybe not necessarily put that out there, but then anytime there's like a direct spurring on, like, hey, come on, man. You know, like you can do better. Look at this is what God's word says. And you're like, I hate that guy. I don't like that person. They're too rough. They don't love. They don't, you know, and, and these things can happen. But the Bible is clear about this. Doesn't Jesus do this? Isn't it interesting? I mean, let's back off of Hebrews 10. But let's go into doesn't Jesus do this? I mean, even in his interactions, there are times he spurs. And he spurs the people he loves. The, the men he loved the most, the women that are with him, he's spurring them on. Right? I, I always love the interaction with Jesus and Peter. And he's like, hey, Satan, I mean, that, that, this, is, this would blow my mind. If Jesus came to me and he said, me and Satan talked about you. Like Satan came to me to talk about you. And he said he was going to sift you, which basically is just beating you to a pulp. And then Jesus goes, but here's the deal. I've prayed for you. So after you've taken the beating, you'll come back and strengthen your brothers. I'm going, Jesus, couldn't you help me out a little more than that? You're Jesus. <laughs> okay. But it's like, no, man, here's the thing is sometimes there's that jab, right? There's this idea of Hebrews 3 of encourage each other daily. Okay. Now, now again, let, let me, we, we all have to examine kind of like what side of this kind of spectrum I'm on, okay? Because again, this idea of encourage is not flattery. Okay, it does me no good with my children to flatter them through life. You're the greatest. You're the best. No one does this better than you. 
right? Here's the one thing I've learned in the church. I've never met somebody that does, has done something the best. Y'all disagree with that. <laughs> but we say that to one another. You're the best. Well, what happens if someone better comes in? <laughs> no, you're not the best anymore. You're not discouraging that with me. No, no, there's somebody better than you. I would hate that as a preacher. Like, dude, Keith, you're the best. Well, I don't know. This other guy came in. You see the weird dynamic that that put? It's going, hey, here's the deal is, it's okay to be appreciated and good at something without having to be told you're the best. Because here's the deal is, I'm not. I'm a messed up dude. But, but our goal isn't to just, how can I be the best and be acknowledged as the best? Actually, encouragement would be helping each one of us become the least. That would be encouragement because you want to know it doesn't give me, I don't need courage to be prideful about myself. I need courage to go places where I'm going, you know what? I'm not as great as I think I am. But you know what's cool about that is that Jesus absolutely 100% loves me and has thankfully put his Holy Spirit in me. Okay? So encourage, let's give courage to one another. Courage to do what? Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Okay, let me give you courage. This is going to be scary to do, right? Uh, Colossians 3 says, you all know what we should do together is teach and admonish one another as the word dwells in us richly. Okay, so that's teach and warn. As the word of God dwells in us richly. That, that implies that the teaching and the admonishing we're doing is from the word of God. Right. And, and, and so, again, all of these things together, you, you may I just want you to pay attention, like how much of this stuff this is meant to be going on in a community, the tension of alone and together renewing our minds and thinking differently and going, you know what? The world says if you have to be taught and you're older, you should be embarrassed of yourself. If you have to be admonished, you should be embarrassed of yourself. That's exactly what the Bible doesn't teach. If we're going to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, I know for a fact that my journey is going to take teaching and admonishment from people. But it's nothing to be scared of. This is about the conformity to the likeness of Christ, right? Confess your sins to each other. Pray and read the Word. These are the together things. But again, it's that tension Okay, because you may be really good at this and completely neg neglectful of the alone, or you may be just rocking out the alone time and completely neglectful of the together time, and we've got to come together and go, here's the deal. We all have decided this, that we will offer our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is going to be our spiritual act of worship. And let's hold this intention, this time of, of, of this alone, secret time, and this time together where we help one another. So here's just a few questions just for you to consider, okay? Um, again, this isn't like the law. I just, sometimes these help me. I don't know if this is helpful to you as you're reading the Bible and in your quiet time. I think about questions that I ask myself to help me examine a little bit. Um, and here's the first statement. It's a regular practice of mine to spend time in silence and solitude. Right? Uh, again, just be thinking about that. Is, is it regular? Is this a normal part of your life? Um, you go, well, what does regular mean? I mean, it's like, listen, watching every episode of a, of a series. Okay, like we, we understand that. 
is regularly. It's constantly happening. I examine my decisions, attitudes, my personal devotion to God, and love for others regularly. Okay, again, this is like alone stuff. The challenge for me is, you want to know what? I, I cannot leave my house if I am not prepared to love the people I'm about to meet. Right? I can't interact with my family if I'm not prepared to love them. I, I can't. I can't just assume it's going to happen. I challenge my opinions in the Word of God. Is that a regular thing? And I mean opinions prim- on a whole lot of things, primarily relationally. Uh, we make a lot of relational deci- relationship decisions. Uh, who am I friends with? Who will I date? How will I date? Um, in our marriage, we have relationship decisions. In our small groups, we have relationship decisions. And am I challenging my opinion or my criticisms or my kind of you know, prejudice, am I challenging that with the Word of God? And then the last three here, three statements. I am the same person wherever I am. Okay. Now, now let, me, let me just be very clear about this. The, the goal isn't, oh, I'm not, so therefore I failed. The, these, again, can be kind of like the canary in the coal mine. It should, to be able to look at that and go, you know, I'm actually different around different groups of people. That, that should be something to go, hold on a minute, how can, I, like, that's where we can help one another conform to the likeness of Christ. I prioritize my times regularly with brothers and sisters and intentionally practice one another's scriptures. So I, what I shared before were these scriptures, just a little portion of them, that talk about, like, one another, how we interact with one another. Do, is, is time prioritized regularly um, or... When it comes to like us together and then getting together during the week, is it more like I'll get together as long as it's convenient for my schedule? Okay, because here's the thing. The, if, we're, if we're really talking about the king and we're talking about the kingdom of God, there isn't anything that takes precedent than these things. Everything else takes a back seat. That doesn't mean I neglect things. But it means that, hey, here's the deal, is my time with brothers and sisters is sacred. Not just for convenience times, right? And then, do I eagerly anticipate that God will speak through brothers and sisters? So when we sit down, we're going, okay, hey, man, I'm anticipating that the person I'm sitting with right here, they're going to say something that God wants me to hear. Okay? That, that's scary and exciting all at the same time. Okay? So you can kind of see how this section right here, and again, we haven't, <laughs> we've kind of camped out right up here, but, but again, it, as, you, as you travel down, verse 3 down, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. You see how that works perfectly in this? Is, hey, if we're going to do this as a community, then the thing that I need to do and, and we need to do is let's not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. 
like I've got this, everybody else is struggling, whatever. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, and, and that's where we're going to just cut it for today. Okay, is that last very provocative sentence, okay? Is that we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, this may be the renewing of our mind that may be the, like the light bulb moment of going, oh man, this is, I've, I've tried to follow Jesus independently. I've tried to follow Jesus like on my own. And I've had this idea that it's just kind of me and I'm trying to find, you know, like groups that I like being around all these things. And I'm going, hold on a minute. It, you actually mean that he, like we belong to one another. So even when we're not together, we're together. Okay. How I behave away from you is still affecting you. Isn't that weird? But we understand this in our body in many regards, okay? And if you're not sure of that, right, is go like smash your foot on something really heavy. Like have somebody roll over your foot in their car. And I will tell you what, other parts of your body will hurt. Okay, it will affect you psychologically. It'll affect you in a whole lot of different ways. But this is really what we're talking about here is we truly are. And, and as we leave this section right here, I really want you to think about that is the idea of will I allow my mind to be renewed to believe this truth? This is a tough one. Will I allow my mind to be renewed through the word of God so I'm thinking this way rather than just what the world teaches? Okay, so let's pray. Singers will come on up and uh, we'll move on with this. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 